0: You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) yeah, you,
1: you were different. And
0: so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Story
1: time. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. No problems with the ecosystem whatsoever, no invasive species, no declining populations and most surprising of all no poachers. A neighboring park just 100 kilometers from ours is infested with salvinia, water hyacinth and has a very low elephant population because of poachers. It hasn't always been like this though, at least that's what I'm told. The head's been working here for 30 years. He says in the 90s, The rivers were so choked with salvinia that almost 10% of all the hippos at the park died from dehydration. There were so many poachers that the white rhino was practically non-existent in the park. The government at the time was extremely poor so it couldn't help much. Then suddenly in 2002 all the problems just vanished into thin air. No more invasive plants. When the rangers at the time checked on the river, they found all the salvinia dead and decaying. The white rhino population magically rebounded, when just a year ago there were less than 200 of them. It was pretty surprising but I mean no one was complaining. Everything has a cost though and this was no exception. There were sightings of things, the carcass of a lion, completely drained of blood, trees with faces, murmuring in an incomprehensible tongue, impossibly huge creatures not resembling any animal in the area. This is a collection of all my experiences with these anomalies. June 16, 2008. Jameson, Jameson, Amare yelled. Coming. What's got you shouting? I asked. I found a carcass, he said, looking visibly pale. That's nothing to be yelling about, I thought. Probably just the work of a lion or some wild dogs. It's an elephant, it's BU, should just look for yourself. Okay. An elephant carcass certainly is unusual, but I doubt it warrants yelling. With that he took me to the carcass, leading me further up the lake, a minute later we arrived at the location. All right I can see why he was unsettled, if elephants are killed, which itself is very rare, it's usually by lions and then only by the lions slowly wearing them out with consecutive weak attacks until they can no longer walk and die from blood loss. This was nothing like that. The elephant's lower half was missing. It looked like it was bitten clean in half, the organs and viscera flowing out. The shape of the teeth didn't match anything that lived here. This was my first time encountering one of the anomalies. I don't know what to do, I've never seen anything like this before. How was I supposed to protect the other animals from this monster? Most of all I was scared for my life. I radioed my boss and told Amare to gather the other two and stay inside the cabin and not to come out for anything. I stood out on the porch nervously glancing at the trees, jumping at any sound I heard. ''Yes, Jameson? Anything the matter?'' She asked. ''Yes ma'am, it's just that, there's a carcass, an elephants, bitten clean in half,'' I said. ''Gather everyone in the cabin and do not come out until I'm there,'' she said urgently. Yes, I already did that. Good, now wait for me. We huddled in the cabin, glancing out of the windows every few seconds. Hey Jameson, this isn't real right? You're playing a prank, aren't you? Sid said skeptically. I'm afraid not Sid, this is very real. Poor kid, he just joined three months ago. I remembered my first three months at the park, I could barely deal with lions and crocs, This kid had to deal with a monster that bit elephants in half. I saw something, Amare yelled. Probably just a wildebeest scared away by your yelling Amare, I said. No way, this thing made the top branches of the tree rustle, too big for a wildebeest. Alright, now I was spooked, I took a look out of the window and swore I saw a large, thin shadow dart out of my sight but maybe I was just imagining things. I had just seen something surreal after all. People tend to see things after an experience like that, but something deep inside me told me not to go anywhere near the tree line. Get away from the windows. Close those curtains. Keep your rifles close, I yelled, doesn't matter if it was real or not, I want us to stay safe. I was right, wasn't I? Why would you do this otherwise? Amare said wide-eyed maybe I wouldn't risk the guys getting nervous and making a fatal mistake. An hour passed with us just huddled together, hands on our rifles, just waiting for it to tear through the cabin. A sharp shrill sound rang through the air, I almost shot the door but it was just the doorbell. Looking through the peephole I saw it was the boss. I let her in, as soon as she entered, I saw the team reflexive relaxing. They trusted her a lot she was the one with the most experience, the most dependable. She'd brought her shotgun with her, that meant business. Show me the carcass. I looked at the tree line, expecting something to move but nothing happened, seems like whatever was there before was gone now. I led the boss to the side of the carcass. Oh, this looks horrendous, we need to deal with thing before it bites anything else in half. No surprise at all, typical of her shouldn't we leave quickly animals don't usually abandon their carcasses for long right sid said glancing around nervously that's right kiddo but this isn't a normal animal by any means is it yes boo don't worry i'll just check the carcass for any clues and we'll be gone in five minutes he stayed silent after that i noticed he had his arm on his rifle the boss bent down and stuck her hand into the carcass I resisted the urge to puke. A bit of digging around later, she pulled out a completely intact tooth. It was gigantic, almost as large as a banana and there were serrations on the outer edge. Dealing with these anomalies for six years teaches you where to look, eh? Nobody said anything. With a tooth that big the beast had to be at least twice the size of a giraffe, if not larger. The next few days went by in a flash. We would find new corpses by the river each day rhino, hippo, boar, the thing never ate the carcasses, only bit it in half and run away to god knows where before the sun came up. We won't get anywhere like this. We need to stay the night, said the boss. I couldn't help but agree but it was too dangerous. What was the guarantee that the thing wouldn't decide to take a few more victims for the night? True it's dangerous but there aren't any other options. We can either stay the night or let this thing roam the park freely. Acknowledging this, only Jameson and I will stay the night, you two stay in the cabin, we'll radio you if there's any problems. That night we got our equipment and situated ourselves about 100 meters away from where we found the carcasses every night, behind some foliage. We had night vision goggles on, didn't want to risk alerting whatever this thing was of our presence. Whatever this thing was, It was smart, it's the middle of winter and water is scarce. Animals have to come to the waterholes to drink or die of thirst. Predators exploited this by waiting near the waterholes and picking off easy prey. The first few hours went by fairly quickly, nothing of interest happened. Hippos grazed along the banks of the river, herds of elephants came and went. There weren't any predators in sight, that was good for us but it also meant that something was wrong. This was the largest lake in the park. There were always predators here, their absence means that something scared them away, something larger, stronger. Four hours into the search, I heard a hippo baying. You hear that? I asked the boss. Yep, it's coming from the general direction of the corpses, must be that thing, she said pointing to the spot. I turned my goggles to where she was pointing. A large male was baying wildly into the darkness. I couldn't see anything, I turned my goggles in the general direction of the hippo's baying but there wasn't anything there. The hippo just continued frantically baying before suddenly turning around and running at top speed in the opposite direction. Thunderous footsteps ran behind it. I strained my eyes but I couldn't see anything, there was simply nothing behind it but a hippo wouldn't just run from nothing, would it? And the footsteps were very real. Come on we gotta go. The boss yelled. Are you out of your mind? I yelled back. But it was too late, she was already running after the hippopotamus. Swearing, I got up and started running too. The footstep became faster and faster until they suddenly stopped. The hippo's screaming was louder than ever and it felt like it was coming from somewhere above us. A loud crunch. Dead silence. We returned the next morning to half a hippo. Hey there's something in the ground here, Amare said pointing to a dinner plate-sized circle in the ground. There were several more a bit forward, almost like the footsteps of a sprinting animal. The length of each step seemed gigantic, almost four meters apart from each other. The footsteps were in the exact direction the hippo ran last night. Seems like last night wasn't a complete waste, said the boss following the tracks. The tracks led all the way to the tree line where they disappeared under the dense vegetation. It kills its prey then runs back into the tree line to hide during the light. This thing is creepy, Sid said while stepping a ways away from the tree line. We didn't see it in our goggles last night, so you think this thing is invisible? I asked. Probably not, a lot of these anomalies can't actually be caught on camera but then again it could be invisible, she said why can't they be caught on camera? Easy way to explain why no one outside the park knows about the anomalies, authors these days, so lazy. What? Well we've gotta kill this thing. How do we even know it can die? I asked. We don't, just have to take the chance. There was a cold breeze blowing into the woods, I was squatting behind a large bush, about 20 meters to my right was the boss with her rifle trained on the tree line. Sid and Amare were on either side of the wood, ready to shoot if anything went wrong. It gets dark here at 5 pm so we had to get into position by 4. Last night the thing attacked at 3 am, no reason to believe it wouldn't attack earlier today. It started raining heavily at 8, just perfect. The hippos started running, again from nothing. I wouldn't risk pointing my flashlight at the thing. The thunderous footsteps became faster and faster until they stopped. A loud crunch. All four of us shot together, pointing our flashlights at the sound. Thin, black rods, seven meters tall at the shortest. Then they moved, a short jerking motion as if they moved a body they weren't made for. I tried pointing my flashlight at the thing's face but the light didn't even reach its body much less its face, all we could see were its legs. Thud, something hit the ground, half a hippo. It took a step forward but then seemed to think otherwise, turning around and running into the trees. We didn't see any half-eaten carcasses after that, but we occasionally see circular markings in the ground. Part 2. This was one of the more horrifying experiences I've had with these with these anomalies. It's one of those things that sends a chill down your spine makes you look over your shoulder just to make sure there's nothing following you. May 3rd, 2009. If you look to your left, you'll see a herd of wildebeest stopping to take a drink from that watering hole. In a river that big there's bound to be some crocs, if we're lucky we'll get to see one on the hunt. Almost as soon as I had finished saying that a croc lunged from the surface of the water, catching a wildebeest right in the face, drawing gasps and shrieks from the crowd. It then started turning its body in a circle. Aptly named the death roll this move tore the victim into bite-sized chunks that the crocodile could then easily consume. This riled up the crowd even more. What do you say we take a break? The boss said, addressing the customers. Is that safe? Aren't there a bunch of predators here? Asked a concerned father holding his four-year-old. I could understand why he was concerned but in general it's best not to bring a four-year-old to a safari. Don't worry we've chosen a location that predators seldom visit and even if they do show up, we have these," she said patting her rifle. That seemed to calm him down. It was a quick 15-minute break, stretch our legs and get back in the jeep, it's dangerous to stay out of a vehicle for too long. The rest of the safari went pretty smoothly. We saw a pride of lions, a couple of giraffes and even a honey badger. During the drive back to the exit, the parents of that four-year-old seemed a bit anxious. It was about an hour until dark and we had reached the exit. We bid all the customers farewell and started getting in our cars to drive back to our cabins. The parents of the child came up to us and asked us to wait, the child was nowhere in sight. So. Our child wasn't on the bus after the break and he was cut off by the boss's yelling. Your child wasn't on the bus? You choose to tell this to us now? What the hell, how the hell did they not notice that till now? What the hell kinda parents were they? Yes, we know but she usually disappears, we thought she was just somewhere on the bus. The mother said looking guilty. The boss sighed, looking disappointed and exasperated. gather up Sid and Amare, we have to go search for this kid, what's her name? Amy. I told both of them to stay right here in the guard booth until we came back and not to go out for anything. I didn't really have high hopes for this child, night is when the predators come out and it was almost dark. Nevertheless, I got in my jeep and we drove to the place we got off for a break. It was pretty far from the exit, By the time we got there it was so dark we couldn't see two feet in front of us. This ruled out any possibility of looking for her tracks. We'll split up, each one of us will go in one direction, grab a flashlight and make sure you do not yell out for her, that'll just attract the attention of predators or worse things. I went right, into the woods, the boss backtracked, Sid went west and Amare went north, in the direction of the river. My last encounter with that giant thing shook me up pretty bad so I felt very uncomfortable going into the woods if not scared. At the very least there aren't many predators in the woods. It's been almost half an hour of me stumbling through the woods. The clouds covered the moon so it made the already dark night even darker, without my flashlight I wouldn't have been able to see my own hand held in front of me. All the while I had this strange feeling that something was watching me. I did have mild paranoia but this was different. It felt like it was coming from somewhere far away like someone was looking at me through the scope of a sniper rifle and I didn't have any means to protect myself from the inevitable shot. I slowly started moving to the edges of the wood, it made no sense for me to come here, why would a scared kid go into this dark and creepy place? I would have stayed clear of this place during the night when I was her age. Soon after I saw the place where the trees ended, it was still a ways away but I was hit with a wave of relief when I saw it. Then I heard it, a soft whispering from the center of the wood, no, not whispering, a melody. It sounded marvelous. It sounded like home. I needed to go there, I had to. It would solve all my problems, fix all my mistakes, it's heaven I'm sure of it. I began blindly running through the wood. All I knew was that I needed to make it to the center. Branches smashed against face, twigs clawing at my cheeks but I didn't care, I just kept running to the center. My thighs burned, if I wasn't motivated by this otherworldly singing, I'm sure I would have dropped to the ground right there from exhaustion. Finally, I crashed through the last row of trees. What awaited me on the other side was no heaven, in fact it was quite the opposite. Gigantic. It was all I could think of looking at the massive being that faced me. Three times as tall as the other trees, its giant face, etched into the bark. Smiling, laughing at my idiocy for being drawn here. The ground erupted into fragments, revealing gigantic roots. They tried grabbing me but I was faster I ran straight for its face, laughing it opened its mouth wider, as if taunting me to get inside since I was as good as dead anyways. I ignored it and ran farther to the left where it couldn't see me. I grabbed its bark and started to climb, at the very least it would take longer to catch me up here, long enough that I could call for help. I was a third of the way there and well out of the root's reach. Thud, something massive hit me on the back, knocking the wind out of me. I lost my grip and fell. I was 30 feet up, I'd die, The ground was rushing to meet me in less than a second but just when it looked like I was going to die, a huge root spurted from the ground and grabbed me. It had saved me. I looked at its face expecting to see a genuine smile or compassion. Evil, pure evil. Oh, it was smiling alright, a smile you would see on a sociopathic murderer's face. Opening its mouth wide it pulled me inside with exaggerated slowness as if to taunt me. Slowly I was being pulled further and further inside. The smell was horrendous, rotting vegetation and flesh mixed with the smell of blood and sap. Its teeth were concentric circles. I imagined myself being turned to mush in this being's mouth. The sun was rising, it was beautiful. The fact that this was probably the last sunrise I would see was very much on my mind. They were growing slower the movements of its branches, it was taunting me even more or so i thought surprisingly it grinded to a halt like a chainsaw running out of fuel its eyes stared into space like it didn't see me the branches coiled around me unfurled sending me face first into the ground its mouth remained open though the boss said she didn't know about the giant man eating tree when she sent into the woods i don't really care though i'm just happy to be alive For context, yes I believe in the paranormal. I've had encounters, and experiences, as has my mom, and grandma. This was a little different and not scary, just strange. I was a manager of a very well-known drug store, and took a back road to the store back and forth every day for two years. It was semi-rural, as it had once been acres of farmland that was now being sold off to developers. Just for some insight into the area. My ex-in-laws lived in this area for 30 years, on 200 acres, and had a cattle farm. They still lived nearby, just on a smaller farm, so this was a very frequented area to drive for my family, and my ex knew the area very well. This was a heavily mined area, where a lot of strange things happened. There was also a huge landfill in the area. I was coming home one day, July-ish, not too tired. And was looking across the cornfields and as I came around a bend noticed a house on the edge of the fields I had never noticed before. It was a very unassuming red house, small with a peak roof, and a porch in front. My first thought was not, wow I've never seen that house before, but how in the heck do the people get into it? There are no driveways leading to it? Weird this is 2015 and there has to be a driveway. As I continued and rounded another bend, I couldn't see the house anymore, but was looking at a few houses nearby to see if their driveways went back to this house and couldn't see any way into it. By then there is a very well-traveled intersection and a huge church, so I just sort of kept alert and driving. Later in the evening I'm telling my ex about this house and that it felt very weird, in all the time I had driven that road and never noticed it. Went to work the next day, coming home, the only way I would have seen it, it wasn't there. I don't know what I saw that day, but I can still see that house very clearly in my head. Okay. First, you must know that, 30 years ago, from age 17 to 22, I did a lot of crystal meth. I know what you're thinking, but it wasn't like that. I was extremely high functioning. I graduated from college magna cum laude with a double major in Russian and religion, and held down a complicated job. I was the youngest person at my university ever inducted into Phi Beta Kappa, which people tell me is really something. I was asked to represent my university by speaking at academic conferences. I didn't do meth to cope with how busy I was. I did all of the above because I had so much extra time, thanks to the meth. And decided to fill it by learning the Russian language. All of it. In one night. I lived a very schizophrenic existence. No one would've believed by looking at me that I was a pretty hardcore meth user, and mainly hung out with strippers and bikers who were much older than I hear is what I looked like back then, when I took a break from doing meth to hang out at a coup. Back in Gainesville, I had a group of associates, drug addicts often don't have friends, Whose favorite thing to do was get really high and go out to Payne's Prairie, PP, at midnight. PP is a unique natural feature in north central Florida. It's a vast grassland ringed by dense, spooky live oak hammocks and marshy areas, and also a few residential houses that run some cattle. It's very big, very wild, and mostly untrailed. We'd go out there at midnight and take off all of our clothes, including our shoes we'd split up and spend the rest of the night walking alone and totally naked in the darkness we were definitely high as f but we weren't dangerous we were weirdos and artists members of punk bands and also sometimes river phoenix this was in the late 80s and early 90s so there were no cell phones and we never ever brought flashlights your eyes would adjust to the moonlight very quickly and the few trails out there were made of fine white sand, which gleamed even when the moon was new. Once you got off the trail, though, you were on your own, and many dangerous things bit us while we were out there. One night, I was halfway down the main trail away from the parking area when I heard voices. Lots of voices. It was 2am, and I was alone and naked. The moon was totally full, and the trail I was on seemed to radiate its own silver light. The voices belonged to young men and women, and they were laughing and shouting and saying, dude. And "Ew, Heather. That's so gross. They sounded like drunk frat boys and sorority girls from the university. I wasn't afraid of them, but I didn't want to waste time answering the questions they'd undoubtedly have if they saw me. In the moonlight it was easy to spot a saw palmetto about 25 feet off the trail. I ran over to it and squatted behind it wrapping my hair around my arms and chest. The group of about 10 kids neared. They were still hooting and bickering. Soon they'd pass by. They were even with me and still making loud sounds. If I were a cryptid, I could attack and eat two of them before they realized anything was wrong. They passed by and their voices grew fainter. Finally, it was silent. I counted slowly to 90, not rushing through any Mississippis, and stood up. The ten frat and sorority kids were standing directly across from me on the trail, staring at me, speechless, with identical looks of terror on their conventionally attractive faces. I was 5 foot 8 inches, weighed about 115 pounds, and was totally naked. My pale skin, given to me by my Scottish grandmother, glowed like a corpses in the moonlight. My waist-length auburn hair was wavy and unruly on a good day, but on this night, thanks to the humidity and the meth, it was a sentient thing all its own, standing out on a mass around my face and shoulders, writhing and beckoning. I decided to go with what my observers were probably thinking, which was ghost, or witch, or demon. It was close enough. I stood perfectly still and stared back at them, my face expressionless. They let out a collective yelp of horror and hightailed it back toward the parking area. I turned my back on the palmetto and lit off through the woods, avoiding the trails for the rest of the night. When the sky began to pinken, the six of us met by the place where we stashed our clothes. As we were all dressing, the talk was mainly about the screaming. My associates could hear it clear across the prairie, over by the swamp. Weird night, they said. Hope it's nothing to worry about. I've been wanting to tell someone about the incidents that have occurred sporadically throughout my life, but have always felt afraid of being ridiculed or worse. Listening to your podcast has shown me that these incidents are not uncommon. And I'm constantly reassured when I hear the stories of others. Today I wanted to share my experiences when I lived in New Mexico from 2015 to 2017. My then husband was in the military stationed at Holloman AFB, the base is situated a few miles from White Sands Missile Range and of course the Trinity site. Then I was a gym fanatic and spent most of my days working out. By late evening my husband arrived home and he would often accompany me to the running track at the furthest end of the base only separated from the flight line by about half a mile of open desert. One particular night after having finished my run I spotted an odd movement in the desert area separating the track from the flight line. It looked like a large see-through object was walking between the desert plants. The bushes behind that see-through were visible but looked distorted. And this thing was making its way towards the track. I stood there looking at it trying to figure out what it was and comparing that patch of desert with the rest, it just didn't make sense in my mind I could not wrap my head around what I was seeing. My husband came up running and said don't look at it just keep walking. We jogged back home and I asked him if he had seen it he said yes he had but didn't want to talk about it. On another instance, I was alone at home as my husband was on TDY and I opened the bedroom blinds to look at the red-winged blackbirds I'd left food for the previous night and one of those see-through things was standing right outside. It just stood there, this was broad daylight unlike the first time and it creeped me out way worse because it clearly didn't show any fear of being seen, it was tall but not to the point that I would think it couldn't possibly be human. Yes. It was see-through but its outline and its shape could still be made out because as it moved the area it was reflecting from behind looked odd like cling wrap that had some folds. It didn't try to enter the house and I didn't try to go outside, it just stood there for a while and eventually left, I guess, because I closed the blinds and pretended not to see it. Pretending something didn't happen has been my go-to mechanism for dealing with such oddities. I didn't know what else to do. As years passed and I divorced, my ex's attitude about that night changed completely. He said there was nothing there and he denied having seen other weird things during the time we lived there, which was total BS because weird things happen there constantly. Sometimes, I wonder if that see-through person was just military tech being tested around the base. Anyway, That's all I wanted to share today and though I have mentioned this story to my siblings and my current partner they can't seem to comprehend or they just simply think I'm making it up, but I know what I saw. I lived on a big family farm. Before a dispute amongst distant cousins, I could ride my bike to the furthest point, with a road, and still encounter family. One end was my house. The other was my great-grandmother's house, and between us was one big incline that lead up, and up, and to the rest of the hundreds of acres. That was to the left. On the right side was a field with a dried creek, trees growing, and dying along where they once had water. This was the bottom of the property, split by a small dirt road, sandwiched by a main road. In the fall I could see the main road past the field and through the trees. This was late spring, early summer. I went past my grandma's house to enjoy a cool ride in the overshaded path. The overgrown field, sometimes full of flowers on my right, made it all the better. As soon as I left the hot sun and the canopy blanketed me, the temperature changed drastically. I was expecting cool and shady, not bitter, and to see my breath. I had this horrible weight to my guts and I was overwhelmed with fear. My fight or flight was screaming at me to get away from there and to not look right. My fear was overwhelming and I couldn't help but turn my head as I realized I could hear the dry grass crunching along with my crunching of gravel. The tall grass was bending in a way that was indicative to someone running through it. The grass was between 4 and 5 feet high, the possibilities are endless for what it could be. As I swung my head back to make sure I wasn't going to crash as I increased speed, I realized there was a second trail in the grass. I nearly stomped on my brakes to observe, still panicking, I wondered if maybe I wasn't the prey in mind. As I came to a halt, I slid a bit in the gravel, an animal screamed, and I noticed the muzzle of a deer, or what looked like it in a glance, break the top of the grass. As a clear scuffle broke out, the grass moving appropriately, I sped off again, not wanting whatever predator to choose me for dessert. I hid at my great grandma's in one of her outbuildings. Someone had to get me because I was so scared. They didn't understand and just gave me a hard time for taking their time. It took four years to ride my bike back through there and I only did it the once more out of necessity. The overwhelming fear and dread I felt was gone as soon as I was past there, out of the canopy, and in
0: you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same
2: thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.
1: The next clearing in the sun. I couldn't hear any of the noises when I got past even though I was only maybe another 100 yards down. It's hard for me not think it's supernatural in some way because less than 300 feet away from where the prey was taken is a cemetery for children, a very small plot. In fact, only four are buried there. I've also always been told my whole life that the animals I could have possibly seen are more seen after dusk. To see them just after 1 p.m. is fairly odd. I don't have any reason to return but, I still shudder and shake at the idea of being alone on that small stretch of dirt road again. The dread I felt that day was suffocating. I live in Southern California. About a week ago I was staying at my boyfriend's house, he lives with his mom and stepdad, but they were gone on vacation, and we were watching the three dogs. The first night everything was fine. Dogs slept good in the master bedroom while we were down the hall in my boyfriend's bedroom. Second night, we crawled in bed around 9 to watch a movie and the dogs were restless and kept barking and growling in the kitchen. I had to get up multiple times to tell them to stop and go to bed. 10.30 PM I was about to fall asleep I get a call from my sister who drove out to the desert, Ocotillo, to camp with her boyfriend. She was panicking. She said while they were unpacking their stuff, they heard some kind of cackling. Almost like laughter but not totally human sounding. Followed by a very deep almost fake sounding howl. She said similar to hyena laughter but deep. There are no hyenas in San Diego County. Coyotes maybe but that's pretty recognizable. She asked her boyfriend if he heard the howl and he said yes. They estimated it was within 200 feet from them. Both of them got so freaked out knowing it wasn't a coyote, they packed their shit and got in the truck. Driving away they were looking around with a flashlight and saw nothing. No other campsites. No people anywhere near them. No coyotes. I calmed her down on the phone and they ended up moving to a different area closer to a ranger station and other people. I immediately thought Skinwalker because I have read posts about them before, but I didn't want to put that in her head in that moment. I ended up going back to sleep. About two hours later I woke up to one of the dogs whining and scratching at our bedroom door. I start to get out of bed and I hear what sounded like a car alarm. Just like a horn going off. I looked out the window and it wasn't our car so I opened the door to let the dog in and the sound got louder. I realized it was coming from somewhere in the house. I woke up my boyfriend and we both walked down the hallway and saw all the dogs standing outside the master bedroom. We walked inside and realized it was his mom's alarm clock going off at 12.33 am. We were trying to figure out how to turn it off but none of the buttons were working. We pressed every single one until he finally unplugged it and it shut off. I told him how creepy it was that the alarm would just go off out of nowhere. He thought maybe his mom accidentally set the alarm clock before she left and didn't realize it was for am instead of pm. I thought about it for a second, But then realized that this is the type of alarm clock that you usually set the night before and we had been there by ourselves for two nights already and it hadn't gone off. If his mom had said it, it would have done it the previous night. Not two days later. He kinda just brushed it off as it glitching and we turned and went to go head back to bed. We told the dog go to bed but they were still standing outside the door. None of them wanted to come in and lay on their beds. We ended up going back to our room and they all followed us and laid down on the floor. I told my boyfriend how I was freaked out about the dogs being antsy and then getting that call from my sister and then the alarm clock going off and the dogs following us back into his bedroom instead of going back to sleep on their beds in the master. He said yay it was weird but it's fine. Which didn't make me feel any better. The only thing that kept going through my mind was there is something in the house. I can feel it. I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. The next morning, I called my sister and told her what happened and she said. I had that same feeling all night. That something was near us and she could just feel it. She said that she doesn't think it was a coincidence. Something was messing with her and because she told me about it, it came and messed with me. I believe that too. I also believe that something was luring us out of the room with the alarm clock and the dogs knew. That's why they followed us back into the room and stayed with us the rest of the night. I don't know if it was for sure a skinwalker, but we were both in an area that has multiple Native American reservations close by. Whatever it was was trying to scare us and it worked. I live in the Colorado Rockies at 8,600 plus feet in elevation. It is beautiful country and I'm an avid outdoorsman, horseback riding, fishing, hunting, and just driving any back road I can find whenever I can. This morning I drove to a shooting area in the national forest about 5 miles from my house. It was a great morning for shooting, the sun was shining, and not a cloud in the sky. Just a light breeze coming down off of the continental divide. After about an hour and a half of practicing the ammo was all gone. As I was gathering my empty brass and shot up targets I had the feeling of eyes on me. I scanned the meadow and tree line all around as I continued collecting range trash. I couldn't see anything to speak of but my attention kept coming back to some deep shadows in a cluster of big old spruce trees about 100 yards away. I finished loading the trash on the back of my truck and turned to face the cluster of spruces. I said out loud, I can feel you watching me. I'm just passing through and will leave you be. I turned to open the door of my truck and that's when I heard a very distinct throat-toned whistle come from the shadows of the spruce. I got in my truck with a quick wave towards the direction the whistle came from. I started the engine and drove off towards home down the rutted four-wheel drive trail. I glanced in my rearview mirror just in time to see a very large upright creature covered in dark brown hair stepped out of the spruces and head west diagonally across the meadow. I slammed on the brakes and spun around in my seat to try and catch sight of it before it disappeared into the timber in a matter of seconds. It was gone. I couldn't believe it. I had just seen an actual Sasquatch. I'd seen some questionable tracks a couple decades ago. I've heard some questionable noises before and had feelings of being watched before but today it actually happened. I actually saw one with my own two eyes in broad daylight. I still don't quite know what to say but, thanks for providing a place to share this experience. I am 25, male. I live in Utah and I'm curious if any of you have seen anything like this before. I'm pretty sure I saw a windigo or a skinwalker. I know it sounds strange or crazy. I don't really believe in those things and I'm regularly skeptical when it comes to the paranormal. This happened to me when I was 17 and in high school and living with my parents. My house at the time was in a very small town, the backyard faced open empty fields and mountains for miles before you reached another civilization at all. My best friend lived next door and shared this field as our backyard in a way. I have to explain that his house sat was built on a different street that ended in the field with a small cul-de-sac. I think there were supposed to be more houses built down this street to expand the town but they clearly never got around to it. So his driveway was basically in this cul-de-sac even though no other houses were built there. This matters later in the story. I used to stay the night at my friend's house a lot in high school because I didn't have the best relationship with my parents. Every once in a while we would wake up to hear dragging and a weird gargling sound from the back porch. His room was a basement room with a window well to the back porch, it would happen maybe a couple times a month but whenever we would gather the courage to check. Nothing would be back there. This happened for years. One night haunts my friend and I to this day. My friend was getting ready to move and we would stay up all night playing games and watching movies. We decided to go on a music drive to just vibe. So we hopped in his truck with high beams and swung out of the driveway turning them on towards the field to use the roundabout. The light illuminated this. Thing. It looked like a person but it wasn't. It was naked on all fours. Abnormally large, particularly its limbs that seemed to fold under itself in an unnatural way. Its pale skin clung to it like it had to be stretched onto it. But the part that still sends shivers down my spine is its face. Its jaw hung open to this gaping black maw, like a snake unhinging its jaw to eat. Its black eyes glistened in the light as it looked at us. But just as it turned to see us, it quickly scurried backwards almost like it was on rewind into the brush of the field. My friend and I were pale as ghosts. We both looked at each other like did you see that too? We were shaken. Let's just say we tried to have a good rest of the night but we couldn't believe what we saw. We ended up just sitting there in his basement with guns ready and waiting to hear the gargling and dragging again, but we never did. Sorry that it's not very climactic but it's the truth. I now don't live in that town anymore. There are times when I visit there though. That empty field still feels like it's watching and waiting. Even though I can't see it, I can still feel like it's out there. This is a true story it just happened 5 minutes before I had the idea to type this I was laying in my room watching tiktok and I have my window open at night cause well it feels nice out and I start hearing "I'll help I'll help help and something else but I don't know how to describe it but this isn't the first time something weird has happened I was with my friend and me and him went in my woods and we found this old shack type thing and there were skulls of animals on the walls and a big pair of horns so he went to pry the horns off the wall cause they were cool and when he got them off we heard some screech come from the left of us we don't know what it was but it was freaky but can someone tell me their ideas of what it could have been and just to note once again this is not fake it happened at 2 am but does anyone know what it could have been? For geographic context I live in the middle of nowhere in Texas between New Mexico and Oklahoma. A lot of open farmland in these parts. I moved back to my childhood home with my father back in May 22nd and I had started hearing knocks above my bedroom window on the house at night. One night around 10 or 11pm I was walking from my car to the front door which is around 50 feet and I heard someone walk up behind me and ask me what I was doing here. I recently moved back but all of out neighbors have been here since I was a kid and all knew me. One, they're all old men too I know their voices. This wasn't anyone I knew. When I turned around there wasn't a soul in sight to have run away from where I could see them it would have been 100 yards to the nearest bush or house behind me. Things are spread far apart in my neighborhood. It's a rural area. I haven't heard voices anymore but I continue to hear bangs consistently around the front door and the wall my bed is nearest. I've also been staying in a more populated city with my boyfriend half of the week and very rarely do I hear the knocks and bangs while I'm there with him. We've also installed doorbell cameras but they never catch anything? Not even normal explanations for the banging around the door? When the banging happens the camera is never activated to take a video. This has all been going on for almost a full year now? What do y'all think? When I was 16 my mom decided I would be going to military boarding school. It was located in northern Mexico in the city of Victoria de Durango. Durango state is known because it is home to many creepy things, drug cartels, the zone of silence, ghost towns, UFO sightings, etc. I was at that school for four years and one day a friend invited me and other students to go to his hometown to have some tacos with his dad, a well-known rancher. When we arrived in the town we were in his house having some drinks and eventually he decided it was time to go. We hopped into his pickup truck and he began driving when the sun was setting. After about half an hour everything was dark and he had to turn on the headlights. I was in the front seat with my friend, and we just arrived at the place. He slowed down the car and we could just hear the nocturnal wildlife and some scratches on the car from branches or plants. The headlights allowed us to see just enough to distinguish shapes. He stopped the car right in front of a little lake, lagoon, pond. We could see some bushes and trees around the water and a few meters in front of the right headlight we could see what we thought was a rock. The guys started unloading the truck while they joked around, my friend and I were still in the front. All of a sudden he just froze and said did you see that? He pointed to the rock in front of the car that thing just moved. Since I've always wanted to see a cryptid or something I remained still. We were both looking at this rock when all of a sudden it turned its head around to face us with what I thought was a golem face. It had big round black eyes and an arched back. I turned to my friend. He grabbed his gun quickly, got out of the car, and fired two shots into the sky. All this while people were still unloading the truck and making a fire for the grill and such. I heard a few screams. I saw how this creature looked up to the sky, turned around, and hopped to the water. Right after that, everyone began asking, what happened? My friend told us that it was actually a common sight. He explained that his father and grandfather often saw the creature when they were hunting. He said they called it a hombre rana or frogman. Just a few of the guys saw the thing. We were a little creeped out, but we assumed that the frogman was probably more scared of us than we were of him. I saw many terrifying, creepy, and odd things in Durango, but the frogman took the cake. A few months back I was staying the night at one of my friend's house. He lives on the far edge of a town in Utah. He still had neighbors around but there was a lot of forest around and it was next to a canyon. I don't know if the scenery helps to the story but I will try to list every detail of my encounter. I was staying the night and my girlfriend also came over to hang out for a while. We hang out and everything is fine and fun and great. 1am rolls around and I had work at 6am in another town about 30 minutes away. So I said hey maybe you should leave so I can get some sleep before work. And at this time my friend went to sleep and it was just me and her. As we are walking to her car I started feeling uneasy like I could hear something. We get to the driver's side of her car and I give her a hug goodbye. As I am hugging my girlfriend I look behind her and am struck with shock and fear as I see a creature maybe 8 to 9 feet tall. It was standing next to a cherry tree on the side of my friend's driveway. It was bipedal, it was very skinny. The moon was out so I could see the creature clearly but not so much color details. The legs were bent backwards like deer legs or like the back moose legs. It slouched a lot and I still couldn't see its face as it was in the leaves of the cherry tree which has to be 11 to 12 feet tall. I remember not being able to talk much except goodbye to my girlfriend. I don't know why but I couldn't tell her to look behind her. Before I let go of her though I saw the creature move. It took off running towards the tree line what absolutely baffled my mind was the speed of the creature it looked impossible as if it blurry when it started running i remember it looking right at me through the leaves even though i couldn't see its face what was the worst thing about the experience was the emotions attached to seeing what i saw i felt like my confidence and emotions were attacked I have never felt the feeling of fear like this before and I have been charged by full-grown brown bears. After my girlfriend got into her car I stood in that very spot from when I hugged her until she left the driveway. I don't know if it was more out of fear or making sure she left safely. I didn't know what to do so I slowly walked over to my car and got it. I called my friend multiple times and he was asleep and didn't answer. I looked out my window after several minutes and I looked to the left and saw my friend's cat Avery. And I tried to think logically, if my friend's cat, which probably has better senses than me, is out here then I am probably seeing things and it was safe. So I got out and stood next to Avery. Next thing I know it sounds like there's a Clydesdale horse running through deep growth of the forest. Avery staring running for the door and I sprinted faster than Avery and got inside. For the next 3 hours I sobbed and cried like I did when I my dog died when I was 12. The fear I felt was indescribably powerful. I also remember it had long arms and when it ran it used all limbs. Please someone tell me if this is a real creature. It gives me goosebumps to this day talking about it. And writing this brought me to tears. Just thinking about is scary. My ex and I helped sort some dead family friends, her family, stuff into boxes. That same night I woke up because I felt like someone was staring at me, but no one was in the room. I checked the clock out of the corner of my eye and went back to sleep. The next morning she tells me she woke up at the exact same time and had the same feeling. Not the type to believe in ghosts, but that was some weird shit. I had a similar encounter a few weeks ago. I'll share it if this doesn't get lost in new like my comments on Ask Credit posts usually do. Edit. I'm surprised at least 10 people saw this, so here's the other story. My so and I went to the cemetery to feed some squirrels. They're fairly tame there because they get fed a lot and even take nuts out of your hand, it's awesome. This is a big cemetery with lots of trees. When it starts to get dark we leave but it gets pitch black before we get back to the entrance. Was a bit uncanny, but as soon as we stepped out on the brightly lit street, I felt fine. We cross a big street to get to the bus stop and in the middle of the road, I hear someone speaking directly over my shoulder, but didn't understand what they were saying. The language sounded familiar, but I couldn't make out the words. I turn around and the only other people I see are about 20 meters away, facing the other direction. My partner didn't hear anything and I wasn't wearing headphones. But they told me they felt like there was something while we were leaving the cemetery when I told them about the voice. This happened last summer. An old friend came to town and he gave me a call and asked to meet for lunch the next day. When we had lunch the following afternoon he asked about a mutual friend of ours and whether I knew how to reach him. I told him no and that I hadn't seen or spoken to that guy in 8 years. When I got home that night I decided to look for him. I tried every number I had, including his sister and brother but nothing came up. I then tried the internet. I looked through FB, IG, LinkedIn but nothing came up. I tried a thorough Google search but nothing came up either. It was like he fell off the face of the earth. I began to wonder if he had died in those 8 years and word of his death just never spread. Next day I went downtown to run some errands. As I'm crossing the street I hear someone shout my name. I look around trying to connect a face to the voice, and there he was. The guy I hadn't seen in 8 years, the guy I had spent the previous night searching for to no avail. It was strange to say the least and the only time I had an experience that left me feeling like there's something more happening in life than meets the eye. Like we are more connected than we know and can feel each other's thought and emotions. Or maybe it's just truly random shit that happens from time to time. So my band is out on tour in California and we're currently headed back to Virginia to finish our last date near our hometown. Our route back took us on I-80 through Reno, Nevada. We're coming up towards Winnemucca at about 3 AM and notice a man walking alongside the interstate in very light clothing relevant and a large duffel bag with no light or anything to guide him. If you've ever been to the high desert, you would understand that nights in the dessert plateau are incredibly cold. It was roughly 15 to 20 out, and it's pitch black, being as it was a new moon that night. At this point in the drive the closest civilization you would find is maybe 50 to 75 miles away. So, that's not something you can just trek in the dark with no gear. About 15 to 20 or more miles down the road, in the direction the man is walking, we notice a car with no license plate gently swerved off the road in bushes. The car was in good condition and somehow the bushes it was nestled in were completely undamaged and there were no tire tracks leading up to it. Almost as if it had been picked up and placed there. Initially seeing the man we felt something off and then saw the car and just got a very strange feeling of dread that everyone felt. Some of our members are from LA and understand some of the native culture and knew that the natives would specifically stay away from this valley area. So we started digging. We find out that there have been multiple missing persons cases in the area and they all have something in common. Their cars were swerved off the road mysteriously with no signs of a crash. The man matched somewhat closely to a description of a man who went missing in 2011. Also, it's noted that this is the area where the natives claim there are Windingos and they often will portray themselves as bystanders in need. What do y'all think? The day was ordinary, the sun casting a warm glow over the landscape as we embarked on a road trip, the hum of the engine and the promise of adventure in the air. My wife's grandad, a kind soul with a penchant for classic rock, was a massive fan of Queen. I had heard countless stories of his love for Freddie Mercury's powerful vocals and the band's timeless melodies, but there was one song in particular that held a special place in his heart an obscure gem that had eluded my musical radar until that fateful day. We set off with the windows down, the wind tousling our hair as we sang along to familiar tunes on the radio. My wife, lost in thought, periodically gazed out at the passing scenery, her eyes reflecting a mix of nostalgia and fond memories. Little did I know that the journey would take an unexpected turn, weaving a tapestry of emotions that would forever be etched in our hearts. As we cruised along the open road, the radio played a seemingly random playlist of Queen's hits. Then, out of the blue, a melody I didn't recognize filled the car. It was a lesser-known song, a hidden treasure in the vast repertoire of Queen. My wife's eyes widened, and her expression transformed into a mixture of disbelief and recognition. The lyrics unfolded, and the music carried a certain weight, an inexplicable connection to her granddad's memory. Time seemed to stand still as the haunting melody enveloped us. The song, unfamiliar to me, seemed to resonate deeply with my wife. She listened in silence, her gaze fixed on a distant point as if transcending the confines of the car. The atmosphere shifted, becoming charged with an unspoken connection to something beyond the tangible. A mere 60 seconds later, Just as the final notes of the song lingered in the air, the phone rang. My wife's mother's name flashed on the screen, and with a sense of foreboding, she answered the call. The news hit us like a tidal wave, her granddad had just passed away. A profound silence settled over us as we absorbed the weight of the moment, the serendipity of the song's timing hanging in the air. In the years that followed, that lesser-known queen song never graced the airwaves again. It became a poignant reminder of a moment suspended in time, a mysterious connection between the music and the departure of a beloved soul. The memory of that day lingers, and whenever we think back to the open road, the unfamiliar melody, and the bittersweet synchronicity, we are reminded of the extraordinary ways in which life weaves its intricate tales. I worked at a theme park run by a litigious mouse, so we'll leave it there. I was closing a hybrid meet and greet or theater costume shop by myself one night. It was already a creepy location the backstage was kind of a graveyard for props and robotics that had been used in old shows but hadn't been discarded, including this giant terrifying magic mirror face taller than I am. The backstage lights were on a timer so I was in kind of a rush to get out of there before they turned out, because one, dark, and two, I didn't much care for the creepy giant face in the shadows. Seriously. It's terrible. Its jaw hung slack. The timer, same kind you use on like a hot tub, was ticking down, and I locked up the cage we used for some of the costume pieces. I had 10 minutes. All the lights went out except the safety blues, leaving me with the damned mirror. I ran, because I hate that thing. Got into the green room nearby, fumbling for my keys, find that those lights are out, too. Probably an outage, but I was done for the day. I just needed to close the door. My fingers just barely brushed it and the whole thing slammed shut, locked, without me ever putting my key in it. I sprinted to small world just to see some lights. Also the stupid clock from the Cinderella castle was tolling the whole time. It did that anyway, but it didn't help. I always have major deja vu and it's not because I've seen certain things before, I've dreamt about them. For explain, when I first started dating my boyfriend I had a dream that I was in his parents' house, sitting on their couch talking to his mom while looking at their house plant. I hadn't met his mom yet, hadn't even been to his parents house and yet 5 months later I'm experiencing that same dream in real life. Everyone is wearing the same clothes, everything in the room was the same and we were even talking about the same thing. Whenever this happens, I get this powerful feeling all over my body and I immediately know that I've had a dream about this way before it even happened. And there's been a lot of instances where I've dreamt about me being somewhere and in a situation and a few months later it happens. I don't know what this is or if I'm some kind of psychic. I wish I was making this up cause it honestly freaks me out sometimes. And everyone I've told about this thing, they look at me like I'm crazy. My boyfriend believes me cause I've told him about a dream and then later it happens and he's like I remember you telling me about that. If anyone knows what this is or has experienced it themselves multiple times over, please let me know cause I feel like a crazy person. In the quiet expanse of Northwest Oregon, where the hills roll and the trees whisper their ancient tales, a childhood memory unfolded on a vast property that cradled mysteries within its folds. My friend, a mere eight years old at the time found himself in the enchanting landscape of his family's hillside property. It was the kind of place where the world seemed to stretch out endlessly, offering a playground for the imagination. The top part of the land, perched high on the hill, held secrets only a child could uncover. On this particular morning, his mom had bid her goodbyes, leaving for work, her departure signaling the beginning of a day filled with youthful adventures. The sun bathed the landscape in a soft glow, casting a warm embrace on the sprawling acres of greenery. As any ordinary child would, he reveled in the freedom of the outdoors, exploring the wonders hidden in the nooks and crannies of the hillside. The day unfolded in a series of playful escapades, the laughter of a carefree heart mingling with the rustle of leaves and the occasional bird's song. However, amidst the innocent joy, A curious incident disrupted the rhythm of childhood simplicity. As he stood atop the hill, his senses tuned into the natural symphony surrounding him. A voice echoed through the air. A voice so familiar, yet entirely out of place. His name, carried by the wind, seemed to beckon him, and confusion knit his small brow. In the solitude of the hillside, he hesitated, searching for the source of the voice that shouldn't be there. It couldn't be his mom, she had just left for work. The timing defied reason, injecting a sense of wonder and a hint of unease into the idyllic scene. The echoes of his name lingered, and as he stood there, the realization dawned like the morning sun. The voice wasn't his mother's. An invisible thread of curiosity wove through his being as he pondered the unexplained calling from the hillside. Yet, no matter how hard he strained his eyes and ears, there was no trace of another soul. Years have passed since that day on the hill, but the memory remains etched in the fabric of his childhood, a moment when the ordinary blurred with the extraordinary. The hillside property, with its vastness and secrets, became a backdrop for a tale that defied explanation. And as the whispers of the Oregon trees continued to weave their enigmatic stories, that childhood mystery lingered forever etched in the rolling hills and the curious heart of a little boy.